Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story. It's going to be a great year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. I am absolutely determined to have a white-pilled year. I am really determined. I think that's a good idea. And I think that can have a powerful impact on your well-being and just on, I think it improves life overall. You can be, I I used to think of myself as sarcastically cynical, optimistically cynical. I am a very cynical person, but I'm also a very optimistic and sarcastic person about the things that I think are ridiculous. Well, there are a couple of things I'm going to do. I'm going to take concrete action. I want to make a couple of little Little changes to the show. A couple of things will change. Just teeny tiny, like our last big story of the Free 30. I want it to be our deepest dive. I want to dive a little deeper, really tickle that intellectual funny bone a little bit more. And also, I'm going to do my best. I know you do your best already, but I'm going to make a concerted effort to bring a positive, hopeful story or some kind of highlight to emphasize efforts people are making or reasons to have some hope to our kind of daily consciousness. And if people want to contribute to that, I'm that that those are the kind of stories I would really love. Like if you want to tweet at me or post them to locals or however you communicate with me, message me and Patreon. If you have one positive thing that you feel confident is real, I want to bring it to the show. I would love, love, love to hear that. Another thing I'm going to do that I got from your Mad Ones show with Dent and Cam on uh, New Year's was... This, uh, it's, I think, called like Bible in one year, something like that. It's a fi- Father Mike Schmitz. So I, I haven't started it yet, and I was supposed to start it on Saturday. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm actually going to follow through, but I mean to. And I don't know. I just feel like that's a very white-pilled thing. Like, even if you're not super religious, just to think of it as your own journey, this life and filled with challenges and stuff, whether the challenges seem enormous or personal, I feel like it's a, it's a good white pill to just realize that you have control. It's like the serenity prayer from AA, like the courage to change what you can, the serenity to accept what you can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. I think we could all use that. Agreed. I think that's fantastic. So here's something that I think is probably good. I don't know. The latest terror attack that is being meted upon us from the evil overlords, the Omicron variant, doesn't seem to be what the Delta variant was. It doesn't seem like people are getting super sick. It seems very widespread, which is actually what, remember those old San Bernardino doctors said to us where, or like told the world, like, it's like the way viruses work is maybe something new comes, gets people super sick, but very quickly it gets everywhere. And as as penetration into the herd, whatever goes up, then your the kind of virulence goes down because you get used to it. And it seems like that's what it is. They're trying to scare us with this. It's not good. They've authorized booster shots for adolescents. But unless they're going to spray a whole nother new round of bioweapon, which I kind of feel like Alpha was, then I don't, I don't, I just don't know how much sicker they can make us. And I might sound sick, but this is literally still residual voice loss, 
from New Year's Eve, where it's not like I was, you know, really bringing down the house, but I was at a the local pub where we had the meetup last time and it was just loud. And so even to have a conversation, I had to scream and literally I still can't talk. So you're not. saying that in New York, there were people gathered at a pub. On no, I came home. Oh, no. California. I was in that pub well, either way, in, yeah. in South Pass where the guy was actually in the Wall Street Journal for having a St. Patrick's Day party for. Um, yeah. So we we just I started frequenting it ever since we went to that meetup because I want to support people who can still live life. But out here, people are panicking about Omicron. I'm not. But yeah. I just, in case you're worried about me because of my lost voice, that's a good thing. Again, yeah, you don't seem sick. You do seem like no, your voice is lost a little bit. But the Omicron, it does seem like they're shifting it more towards calling it the flu. Before, when this whole thing first started, if you say it's similar to the flu, you're a crazy conspiracy, conspiracy theorist. Now they're starting to talk about it as a flu. And I just saw a headline where it said the first case of flu arona reported in Israel, which is a combination of COVID and <laughs> the flu. Well, what I think it is at this point, and I think Byron pointed this out, is that now it's just a cold. They always wanted to have a cold vaccine, but they couldn't. The coronavirus is the winter cold, if I recall correctly. And you would probably, I mean, I think there's a chance you could test positive for on the COVID PCR test, even if you had just a regular cold or prior to that, there were old blood samples from before 2019 that did post positive on the PCR. But what his idea was, it's maybe it's just they're just going for the flu. Like some people will get two flu shots a year. Some people will get two COVID shots a year. And maybe it's just another form of mercantilism where they just wanted to. This was a big marketing push to get that vaccine out there. And but I do have a little hopeful tidbit also from Byron that I thought was funny <clears throat> that Aaron Rodgers is kind of doubling down. Did you hear about this? I don't think so. He was, he want, he's calling for a debate between Dr. McCullough, who I was on the Union of the Unwanted with, who I like, and Sanjay Gupta. Oh, and, that's awesome. And he actually said, and I guess he's friends with Rogan. He said, I did have symptoms, but I used the Rogan methods, which were the McCullough methods. And he said, quote, if science can't be questioned, it's not science anymore. It's propaganda. That's the truth. That's what Aaron Rodgers said. Now, I got a lot of stuff from people saying like McCullough might be fishy, that anybody you think of as like a champion of the anti-vax movement that gets a lot of press. I've had every single person I've had somebody say that person's fishy and I don't disagree. I think that they really shut people up if they're not part of the plan. However, the higher the quality limited hangout, the harder, the more they're worried about us. And so like I always said that about it, say Ron Paul's limited hangout, which I don't think he is, but he might be. If he is, it's still great because that's what they had to feed us. When they switched to Trump, <laughs> Like I was kind of bummed because I'd rather have somebody who spouts off on the Bill of Rights than makes fun of people's appearance if I need to be placated. So I don't care if they're limited hangouts. I think it's fun and hopeful and good. And it means that there's some they're trying to appeal to a pretty large segment of the population that isn't buying the mainstream propaganda. Was there any response that you know of from Sanjay Gupta? I imagine not. I didn't see that, but I did see one response that was, he's right, it can be questioned, but questioned by peers, not by people like him who have no basis to question. It's like, it's your job 
to, to convince me. This is my body, my integrity. This is self-governance, right? If you're saying that you don't believe in self-governance, then let's talk about who we want our dictator to be. But don't pretend like it's democracy until it's like this um, tiebreakers. I think somebody was telling me when I lived in Dallas that every, both parents get a vote. But if if there's a tie, the dad breaks the tie. Yeah. So that just means that the dad rules everything everywhere. And that's what the Democrats are making me think. It's like a democracy is great. They can uh, tout democracy all day long. But when there's a tie, they want they win. The yeah. process is done and they win. Yeah, and they definitely don't want to have that conversation. Sanjay Gupta appeared on the podcast with Rogan. He appeared to, at least the way he presented himself, to think that he was just going to be a lot smarter than Rogan. And he kind of came off as slimy, manipulative. So I don't imagine he's going to go up against an actual doctor who might be countering his opinion. That's a good point. And McCullough definitely still has his feet in the practice. So like you were always said about Fauci and Mullis and stuff, saying they're not doctors anymore. They're just politicians or talking heads. A lot of those people that you see are. And I think McCullough is pretty is closer to having practiced. Yeah. But again, you know, I do think that this vax anti-vax psyop is very deep, many, many layers. So I'm not saying these guys are for reals, but I, I like that they've got to give us this. Agreed. I think it's a, a positive step forward. Yes. So what what else? You got well, any more positive? I do. I have. Well, I have some January 6th stuff if you're ready to hear that. But at least that'll make me laugh. We all know that the big day is coming up, the anniversary of the worst attack in American history. I mean, by far the worst, as <laughs> according to most media anyway. I mean, it's been described as an insurrection, a subversion of democracy, the Trump riots, many different things, nearly all of which are wholly and completely false in their descriptions. Kicking off this week's coverage, and I'm bringing the story because this is actually, for me, it's fun to look at these stories because of the way they're presented, at least the, the guest, and then what they actually say, these eyewitnesses from that day that are brought onto the show, because you can see how true believers are created, and then how those true believers can be used to create mass true believers through their media reporting, and Brian Stelter of Reliable Sources, as we all know, the most unreliable source on television, the way he described this to open the show was first he showed a little montage of January 6th, kind of a 9-11 like montage with dramatic music and presentation. The difference is when you see a 9-11 montage, you see the buildings falling down. When you see this montage, you see CNN, MSNBC reporters just telling you what happened instead of showing you what they say happened. So that little difference there, completely relying on what they're being told. And then he said it's important to remember that the television coverage of what happened on January 6th did not show anything that was nearly as bad or nearly as violent as it really was so that we all have to rely on the very few eyewitness accounts of those reporters, those couple of reporters who were on the ground. So that's why these people he's bringing on are important. OK, but how about all the eyewitnesses that we've talked to? Those don't Chrissy matter. Christine, they were all there. Exactly. Um, and we yeah. literally interviewed someone, I think, the next day. Exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think it was the next day. And she told us everything, even about the Ashley Babbitt thing. And so I believe her. <laughs> totally. And she had video to back it up. Yeah, she did, which we did not put online because we didn't want to get welcome. her in trouble. <laughs> 
So he brings these two on with the introduction of these two on the ground reporters on that day are here to open up about their lingering trauma, their PTSD from what happened. And they emphasize that PTSD theme the whole time. The first guy is Hunter Walker. He's a field reporter from Brooklyn's a White House, right? White House correspondent from Yahoo News and his account. And he emphasized himself, as Brian Stelter did before, that a hallmark of PTSD is that clarity of that memory moment to really emphasize his account, you know, because he has PTSD, at least in theory anyway. So he says, this is the gist of what he said. Looking at that building outside the Capitol, he was outside of the Capitol. He said that it became clear to him that at some point shooting could break out. He had that thought. He said he had that thought that it was clear to him that shooting could break out at some point on either side. And then that if not for a series of small miracles, that would have been more, much more violent and much worse than it actually was. So a series of small miracles prevented it. it was what was one of the miracles that absolutely none of the protesters were armed? No, he did not say that the, that he didn't was... even go in to the miracles because they just kept saying <laughs> that it could have been much worse. It should have been much, much worse. We thought it was going to be much worse. Selfie sticks don't fire actual bullets. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing that really struck out, stuck out to me in what he said was this happened. This thought occurred to him after he got off the phone with his editor who informed him of the chaos that was going on inside the Capitol, which before then he was unaware of. So his traumatic memory is of a thought of what might happen, but did not actually happen. That was formed based on what his editor told him was going on inside. This is the eyewitness. And his editor was not inside, right? No, his editor called him. <laughs> from a right. from an office somewhere far away. Yes, this is who... So wait, the guy on the ground uh-huh. was getting his impressions... Of the incident from the guy at the office who sent him there. Exactly. <laughs> and he See, is that's funny to who me. we rely on. That's positive. I know. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> and the second one is, is just as good. This is Grace Seegers of CBS News. And her eyewitness account of that traumatic moment was that she was inside the Senate chambers where no electronics were allowed. They were locked in there. They had no idea what was going on outside. She vividly recalled being accosted for trying to get on her computer to find out what was going on outside and said that it was only in hindsight that they realized how bad it was and how bad it could have been. There's your second eyewitness reporter. Saw nothing, knew nothing, was not allowed to get on her computer, only later found out what happened from the media, from her editors. So the perception of what happened, the meaning of what happened was all given to them by somebody else, yet they are the -the on-the-ground reporter. This is the best CNN could do. So let me get this straight. It's really important to get this stuff from eyewitness people because there is no actual audio or visual evidence of that. And these people were not eyewitnesses at all. No, not at all. Okay, so that's all crap. But then also it came down from the top. So this is a demonstration of how... Those people don't even have to be in on it. Yeah, they're true believers. Oh, yeah. I doubt. Yeah, I doubt that they even I I don't know about their editors. I don't know where it came from, but none of those people are going to tell the people underneath them where they got that intel. So 
you it, that's that that whole thing like oh how could everybody keep that secret it's like almost nobody has to keep this exactly secret. that's why this is really interesting to me because this woman was locked inside the chambers now that is a crystal clear memory you will have because it's different it's vividly different from anything you've ever had happen to you and you're you're uncertain you're wondering what's going on and then that meaning is given to you from somebody higher up that you don't question then you start filling in the gaps yourself so that becomes real to her same thing for the other guy and i do feel like that's where you start when you hire someone you have like nobody would ever hire me once i went for a job at where the hell was it i feel like it was jp morgan whoever was the big treasury treasury guy so it was for bond trading and they were like do you have any they used to ask this question like it was a very only chicks i'm sure got this question like do you have any moral qualms against capitalism i'm like of course not it's the most moral thing you could do um but i remember saying no i have absolutely no moral qualms at all about banking or trading or anything i said but i don't actually think the federal government should or has the right to to trade you know, like I object to treasuries. I object to the Fed. I object to fractional reserve banking. So I wouldn't work on your treasury desk. And they, they're looking at me like, you know, it's totally ridiculous to have that attitude. I would never get a job there. They would never look to me and say, or like when I was at Goldman, I was at interviewing with them or I was invited to one of their events. And I said, you know, it's really, really defies math that Goldman seems to have lower risk and higher profitability like year after year like the only thing that could make that make sense is like they have some advantage that we're not aware of maybe they have more information or whatever and the guy looks at me he's like yeah that is curious and i thought he would like immediately give me a job because i was so smart <laughs> of course i never heard from him again he probably took I'll- that idea and yeah. Made it no, well, I'm sure he, I mean, my guess is he knew the answer, but like, I, so I got the jobs at the scrappy places that really were just trying to be competitive and make their work, work their way up. And I'm just saying that you don't, as long as you don't hire people who think for themselves or don't hire people who are skeptical or whatever, then you don't have to worry at all about whether you can make them true believers or not. But you absolutely have to go through the screening process. They want conformists, and and yet they can probably tell that by how you dress walking through the door. And And I'm not saying that they even think of it that way, but they've had experience with people who cause them trouble because they question stuff. And, and, you know, you just learn, even if you're not in on it, you learn how to hire people who will absolutely go along. Yeah. If they wear the uniform, maybe they will. If they're not wearing the uniform, if they're wearing like a rock and roll t-shirt or something like that, they're probably going to be a little bit less conformist. So there's another story that I thought was funny yet also interesting over the break, a couple of stories because something happened again did you see that Brandon of Let's Go Brandon, he signed on with a meme coin? And I saw you. I think you posted that to the local I did. feed. Yeah, here's what it was. The Brandon Belt Motorsports, they announced their partnership with LGB Coin, and, the, and that was on, I think, December 26th or something like that. And they said they're going to be using the meme coins logo would be displayed on Brown's Chevy Camaro during his races. Now, the logo is like a circle coin, has LGB in the middle with a blue background and then I think red and white border. And on the 30th, however, they NASCAR came out and said that 
Brandon's team rushed to make that announcement that it was not fully approved yet, even though Brandon's team says that it actually, they got an email saying it was approved. NASCAR walked it back saying, we haven't approved it yet, and we are sending it to higher-ups to discuss it a little bit further, some tweaks that need to be made. Now, I am wondering if that's going to be some diversity officers or diversity board members to meet the ESG standards. I don't know if NASCAR's on board with all of that yet or not, but I find this interesting because it seems that NASCAR approved it at first and that there was backlash and that they walked it back. And I'm, I want to know what actually happens if they are going to let this, let this happen, if that LGB is going to be on his car. Because I think that could have some impact on political speech when it comes to advertising and sports. We see in the NBA, they have BLM on the, or WNBA on the court. They might have had it on NBA courts also. They had the social justice names on the back of the jerseys they had all they the nba has basically become a mouthpiece for that agenda nfl had a different stance they limited speech overall now nascar typically seen as kind of right wing it's interesting to see if they would allow this something that i thought of is if this were trump and lgb let's go brandon were fu trump would the nba allow teams to have sponsorships from somebody like this coin? I think the answer is yes, personally. Would they allow them to have LGB on their jersey, LGB coin? I don't know about that, but I think they definitely would allow it. I think they would be happy to allow it in the the logo in the arena, stuff like that. So it will be interesting to see if they try and prevent that type of speech. And I also think this is interesting because of this trend, of this cultural trend and economic trend of monetizing the meme. But the people who are monetizing the meme are not usually the people who actually create the meme. They're the capitalists who recognize the opportunity. And good for Brandon for leaning into this after his reluctance previously. He should capitalize on it. But meme makers, because people, to me, I think it is like stand-up comedy almost. And I, I learned from Cam, actually. He told me a little bit about meme making. Is people make memes, they put them out there, and then everybody kind of collectively makes them. And I, I do get that. But with, with stand-up comedy, when people have a a joke or an angle or whatever that's theirs to take and try and develop it with memes it seems to be a bit different and the monetization aspect i think is being removed from the people who are just having fun making it i'm saying the people who are thinking those creative ideas take it a step further think about how you can monetize that creative idea how can you turn it into a coin whatever it's very interesting my guess is that he completely cleared it with his sponsors because the articles that we were reading previously uh, was that he wasn't willing to even discuss it until he talked to his sponsors because without sponsors, you absolutely cannot do this. So it's possible, I, I you know, maybe they thought it was okay and then it wasn't. Um, also, I remember Aaron Rodgers kind of State Farm came out and supported him. And that is, I, I mean, I imagine that they try to reach people from all all different political backgrounds even more so than nascar uh, but there is a possibility i just think it's funny weird that or coincidental that lgb is also a left-wing thing right or i mean it's co-opted the whole lesbian gay bi movement is you know considered left maybe they maybe it's like a super double fake where they're like okay let brandon own it and then let's us, just like we own queer, let's go and, and own it again. Yeah, that is an interesting angle, too. And, you know, the timing of these things always, always intrigued me as the first LGBTQ coin was released 
also in the past week or so. Oh, no way. I can't remember the exact name of the coin. I can bring it tomorrow, but... Well, it's got probably the rainbow. It's probably yeah. a rainbow coin. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get to our deepest dive of the day, where we peel another layer of the Great Reset Onion, I want to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the XR, which is a pandemic of mental decline. And Monica will tell you about her new <laughs> economic measuring stick, the Dog Food Index. But before we get to that, I want to give a big thank you to our sponsor of today's show, The Rye Guys. Do you love freedom? Does the daily news leave you shaking your head? Does mindless conformity give you the heebie-jeebies? Are you surrounded by people who just don't get it? Are you right now wearing clothes? You over there, yes, you. Do you like cool clothes? Well, meet the Rye Guys, makers of fun, freedom-loving t-shirts and more, quality products for independent thinkers and other such troublemakers. We make each of our handcrafted tees with equal parts satire, mischief, and rye social commentary. Put on one of our tees and you'll meet kindred spirits, share a laugh, and enjoy great Great conversation. Take off one of our tees and, well, we're not here to judge you. We support liberty, peace, and voluntary solutions to societal ills. And you have our word, our products are never tested on animals other than sacred cows. So, stop by today at www.ryguys.com. That's W-R-Y-G-U-Y-S dot com. Ryguys.com. The Rye Guys. A rye wit for today's shit. Check out the Rye Guys Prop 10 is the coupon code to get a discount for Propaganda Report listeners. Also, we are on Locals now. We started a page there, community there. A lot of fun going on there. As Monica says, has a luscious X, what's it called? XR design and, or, or <laughs> UX design is what it is. Luscious I feel. Yes, luscious I feel. <laughs> and you can try Locals free now for a limited time and it will get you a month free. And then you can cancel or you can take advantage of the very low introductory offer of $50 a year on Locals. All of our commercial-free DMB XRs and all of our extended release interviews also commercial-free as well. And you'll have access to that as well as the community. And you can interact with us and all of the other fantastic, very good-looking subscribers in a (laughs) virtually troll-free environment there at Locals. That's propreport.locals.com. Check it out. You might as well give it a try for free for a month. Yeah, if you want to do that, it's TRILOCALS FREE, all caps, one word, um, and that promo code will be good for two more weeks. So if you sign up within the next two weeks, you get that first month free. That's interesting. Now I know why in the notes it says TRILOCALS FREE, because that is the... I code. made that, the promo code. I thought it would be <laughs> pretty clear <laughs> what it was. That's what it very was clear. Yes, it is. But you can't like make it forever, so it expires at the end of like from one month from when I established it. But But if you sign up for it before whatever, January 17th or something, you get a whole month. Fantastic. If you you don't like it, you can cancel or just stay free and just watch our free stuff or whatever. But um, they asked specifically, like, would you give a year for 50 bucks? So we're doing that for a while. Awesome. Well, check that out. And now on to the deepest dive of the day. All right. So... I was thinking, and it seemed like not a really interesting story, but it was a huge story. It was a front page story on Wall Street Journal and took like a whole page up on the inside. And I thought of you when I started reading it because right out of the gate, it said packaging giant bets on paper. And then in the first paragraph or two, it was about ESG standards. It said ESG standards, it's environmental, social and governance standards, which I'm sure means government and not 
corporate governance, I assume, uh, attracts trillions of dollars of investment money, trillions of dollars. So it's clear to me investment money doesn't really serve the public interest. It serves its own interest. So it's very clear just from that word alone that there there will be policy and other incentives to implement ESG standards. And this article really demonstrated all of that. It included that one of the reasons that these guys are expanding is that they could then build these plans in part by issuing debt so they sell debt, people give them money, and then they they pay the investors interest on the debt. This kind of debt is exempt from federal and state taxation on those interest payments to investors. I mean, that's a huge subsidy. So it reminded me of that chick in one of the Rockfin deep dives where she told us that with airlines, for example, that they would set up tax incentives to get them to to accept policy proposals that they wanted to push. Over time, regulatory and policy issues will actually benefit the companies that implement these things at the behest of the World Economic Forum, no doubt, even if in a free market, they would never happen. And as I read this article, it was very clear that in the free market, this stuff wouldn't happen because the paper packaging is actually heavier than plastic. So it uses more fuel to transport. So we're not even sure it's green to produce it has a bigger carbon footprint. And a lot of times paper packaging is fused with some kind of plastic to keep it waterproof. And then it doesn't even biodegrade the way they're kind of letting you, leading you to believe. So there's a lot of reasons this would not make sense in any kind of non-subsidized environment. And uh, I just, so this is, it's graphic as the name of the company. It's actually in Sandy Springs, which is right outside of Atlanta. And I just, I, w- I wanted to think about that. And it dovetails with another article from the journal about how automakers are just amazed at how miraculously awesome the whole chips shortage and supply chain issue is going to be for them because they have changed consumer expectations dramatically. And now the huge cost it was to them of stocking a variety of models in their lot is gone, that you're not getting a car from the lot. You're ordering it in advance and you'll get it in a month. And that's how it's going to be forever. And it's just huge for them. It's transformational for their industry. And I've seen that too at the grocery stores where half the shelves are empty and you can only get one brand of one thing. And, and I know, to, and eventually grocery stores will just get smaller and you won't have that kind of variety. And another, and this is all like the USSR-ing of America in my view is that they also were saying how TJ Maxx was kind of growing much faster than, say, Macy's. And TJ Maxx is one of those things, just like when I was in the USSR, they're like, we would just go to the store and see what they had and then buy it, like the opposite of what how we are trained. So I'm trying to put these things together and think, why are they doing this? That Like the paper stuff, it's more expensive, it's less good, whatever. I don't know. And I, I'm just... So I thought with in this case... They're kind of trying to, um, I think, lower our standard of living, making things more expensive rather than cheaper and better. And I wonder if part of it, you know, a lot of it has to do with reducing fossil fuel use, oil consumption. And I, I had to, I started to wonder if maybe this was 
the beginning of moving away from oil, A, in part to make the Middle East, the people who live on the land of the Middle East, less powerful, less of a problem, just impoverish them by not caring anymore. But B, perhaps we're trying to bring down or we anticipate that the dollar will not be the reserve currency that pays for all the oil that's traded in the world. Like we are on a petrodollar standard, not on a gold standard. And if they're going to move us to digi currency, maybe just the fact that they're moving us to that is in part why they're just giving up on oil and that because when they move us away from that, our standard of living will go down because all the petrodollars in the world will come flooding back to the U.S. and there'll be a lot more dollars chasing our goods. So the prices will go really far up and the wages won't go up as fast. I'm going to explain more about that in the XR segment, but I just, you know, I just don't, um, I'm not crystal clear on all of the elements of this, but it seems to me that the Great Reset I thought this in the beginning and now I'm circling back to the end. For the past 18 months between like my initial thing was, oh, the economy has to collapse. We've been expecting this. This is just an excuse. And then for 18 months, I was looking at it as like, oh, well, they're obviously just pushing the vax. They want to change the whole world to be a pandemic model from a war model. It's mercantilism. It's the opium wars. We're just pushing the vax. That That's like the new military industrial complex is like the pharma industrial complex. And now I'm back to like, this is, this is more than that. This is a complete restructuring of our society. And like this paper stuff isn't about the environment because it's not better for the environment. It's about moving away from oil because plastic's made of oil. And I, and I feel like that could be a big, big part because that was the geopolitical, that, that, that crescent of crisis or whatever Brzezinski said was all about conflict in the Middle East. I think we maybe are moving away from that. I think maybe we're moving away from that. And and China will be the rising world hegemon. Maybe they get Africa and we get focused in on the Western Hemisphere. But I do feel like I'm beginning to see that all the climate change stuff maybe is just about cha- changing the geopolitical foundations from oil and the petrodollar to to something more something less real and a lot more local. And that goes to a story I'm going to talk about tomorrow about like the airlines and transportation and some of my expectations for the years to come. But maybe that was too deep. I don't know. Is that too deep for a deep dive? No, I don't think so. I think that that I think that you're right in, in your thinking. I definitely electric vehicles are going to be pushed hardcore in 2022. There's absolutely no doubt, doubt about that. It's already started. So Yeah. And that that takes away some of our freedom, some of our portability there and electric electricity can get shut down whereas if you have a, a gas can it can't that's so true there's there's that too there's a i think there's a lot to that but this is just like the germ of an idea and i think we'll see if it's starting to pan out and maybe other things will plug into that hopefully it was clear i have a little bit of a conclusion a conclusive conclusionary conclusion <laughs> conclusion Okay, we have a DPP this week. So it's the first Friday. So we've got our disappearing patron party for all party level patrons. Go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. And I'll try to think of a good cocktail to kick off the year and maybe post that in advance if you want to join us. So that's at eight o'clock on Friday. And I Friday. will get plenty of Powerade and whiskey. <laughs> 
shouldn't be even parent. Yeah, I'm, I think we're, you and I are diverging because for Christmas, my husband got me a, what I really wanted, truly wanted a clear ice cube maker. Awesome. Yeah, no, I've really, I think I have jumped the shark. <laughs> my father would really think I was like, completely embraced materialism. He wouldn't mind the alcohol problem, but he's, the alcohol, <laughs> the issue that it's like, my mother's like, why is it always about drinking? <laughs> but <laughs> my father would be like, why do you have to have clear ice cubes? Um, and also the newsletter is up at thepropreport.com, the January newsletter. And we have never had more interviews. We had an avalanche of interviews for our white pilled Christmas. So check those out. You can see every single solitary thing we did in the month of December. So much more. A blast from the past from Binkley's archive, which is fabulous. Some book recommendations. So check that out. And now on to the XR. All right. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with a propaganda report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content we were telling you about earlier, you can go to propreport.locals.com to try that free subscription. We will talk to you guys tomorrow or in the DMB XR. Happy New Year and have a fantastic rest of your day.